This podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official travel partner of the Seahawks. I'll be traveling with Prime Sport to New Orleans this year to watch the Hawks play Drew Brees and the Saints. You can come too. Just use discount code HAWK10 and get 10% off a travel package including airfare, game tickets, hotel, and a pregame party. Hope to see you there. All right, here we go with the weekly Softy Hawk Blogger podcast, which uh, obviously I bring a ton to the table here, but really the star of the show is our buddy from hawkblogger.com, Brian Nemhauser. Brian, how are you, pal? I'm good, Softy. I think we I think we tie when no, it comes to no. the value we bring to this podcast. No, there's no tie. And if there were a tie, <laughs> we'd just have a field goal kickoff to decide the winner uh, in, uh, the, in this thing. How about that last weekend, pal? Let's start right there and talk about what we saw in Arizona. I got a ton, obviously, to throw your way regarding the Cardinal game, but your thoughts on what we saw in Glendale on Sunday night, man. Um, well, you know, as a, you know, fan, like immediate reaction is like, wow, that is a roller coaster ride. I don't think I've ever been as high or as low that quickly and that often <laughs> in one game, um, especially one where so few points are scored, right? Like there's a lot that happened in a game that not much happened. Um, but, you know, just stepping back as someone who's watched this team for so long, I just kind of appreciate, like, you know, you, you feel like a Seahawks historian at some point after all the years you watch the games, and that's a game I'll remember forever. And I'm I'm happy to have seen it. The defense, the way they played, I think it was one of the most inspirational performances I've ever seen. And I think when we look back at this defense's legacy, that will be one of the jewels that we will talk mm-hmm. about. Um, and I think over time, people will really come to appreciate how remarkable that performance was. Yeah, I think uh, really what stands out to me uh, from that game uh, and what will stand out to me is how athletic this defense still is today. And they're in what year four or five kind of as a group, quote unquote, together. But watching Bobby Wagner not once but twice leapfrog over a starting center or a long snapper, excuse me, to block a field goal and get there once. We saw Cam do that in the Carolina game a couple years ago. Uh, Watching Richard Sherman step in front of Larry Fitzgerald and bat balls away. Uh, the way Kelsey McCray was chasing players down late in the game when he's already been out there for 100-plus plays at that point in time. Uh, th- this is a really athletic group. Uh, and I, I look, I mean, to me, that's the one thing that you can say about him that maybe has not been talked about a lot is how, how physically gifted these guys are, man. Oh, I mean, absolutely. The, the, the defense is the best defense the Seahawks have had. This uh, one. Yeah. Better than 2013. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think, you know, if you look at it, um, the thing that makes me say that more than anything is the pass rush. And they've played six games now. And in five of those games, they've had at least four sacks. Uh, the one game they didn't have any sacks was against the 49ers. Uh, basically, we're just throwing the ball. And like, as soon as he touched, uh, you know, playing Gabbert's hands and, yeah. and, you know, never gave anyone a chance to sack him. But this pass rush is, is off the charts. It is, you may not know this, Softy. This is the number one pass rush in the NFL right now. Yeah, yeah. No, I Better than that. Denver. Yeah. yeah. Better than Vaughn Miller. And, you know, like, this defense right now has everything you need to be um, absolutely the best defense we've seen. This, forget, forget even just the specific numbers. You've got all those players that were there in 2013 that were their best players, essentially. And they've been playing together now yeah. for another three seasons right yeah and and just go back to um you know the uh the situation with the defense obviously 90 plays 46 minutes and 21 seconds of clock time 
And I just think that the the real impressive thing from this defense is what they do to that offense. And it's no wonder that Bruce Arians is such a whiny little bitch after games like this because in his own stadium, he can't figure that defense out. I mean, the last time the Cardinals were held to six points or less by somebody not named the Seahawks is going back to 2012. And the Hawks have done it to them, I think, three times now in that time span. So they are the kryptonite to that offense. Obviously, in Seattle, it's been a bit of a different story. But when they go down there and they see 10,000 Seahawks fans and they play in that stadium against that offense, uh, it doesn't matter if it's Carson Palmer or Logan Thomas or Ryan Lindley. Uh, they've been shutting that offense down. So I don't, I don't really blame Arians for being frustrated because there's nothing he can do in his own stadium against that defense. Yeah, I, you know, I have, I have to admit that that I've not been on this. Like, I don't really care about Bruce Arians one way or another up until recently. Some people can't stand him. Like, my son used to hate him, talk to me about it all the time. There's other people that just hate him, like hate him worse, worse than Jim Harbaugh. I never really cared. I mean, he's just not that relevant to me. But and then his reaction in that game and the way he just acted, like. Like like a little bitch. I mean, I, I don't know a better way to put it. I mean, just after that game, and, and that's a, apologies to anyone that takes that offense uh, as a woman. <laughs> I think that's just trust me. Plenty of women agree with you. It is it's his own category. It's just somebody who cannot take responsibility for their their own team for their own actions, and you know places the blame elsewhere. And and you know he just comes across as. God, thank God he's not our coach. Um, You know, our coach will take responsibility for what they've done. Well, how many playoff games has Bruce Arians won? (laughs) One, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, come on. You know, that's what drives me nuts is all this talk about Bruce Arians being some phenomenal coach. Well, hey, he may be a good coach and he may be doing great things in Arizona, but to be a great coach, you have to have success at the highest level, and that's the postseason. And he has not come anywhere near doing that yet. To flip it around, the offense, man, I, I I was on the air Monday, and I said, look, I've often wondered how a college football offense would look against an NFL defense. I think we kind of got a little bit of an idea in the first nine drives of the game for the Seahawks. Do you realize that with seven minutes left to go in the fourth quarter, the Hawks had 60 net yards of offense after penalties? Okay, that's from snap on first down to punt on fourth down. I mean, the drive, seven yards, six yards, four, 13, seven, 15, six, eight, minus six. Even the field goal drive after the uh, after the uh, block punt, they went nowhere in four plays. I mean, this offense for 53 minutes of that game, man, was miserable. It was. I'm not going to argue even a little bit about that. I mean, it was, it was bad. Um, where I honestly uh, just am losing patience. Softy is with this like sky is falling crap that I'm hearing you know all over Twitter people are like oh my god he's got a you know peck injury now uh, you know our offense is terrible our offensive line is horrible we can't do anything this is the worst you know what are you talking about I mean what in the world are people talking about this team is four one and one in firm control of their division and if you're even talking about this particular game let me take you back to 2013 game four. And let's talk about offense and regulation, 195 yards. Let's compare that to offense and regulation in this game, 130 yards. Not, it's less, but it's in the same realm. That game in, in 2013, Seahawks had 91 passing yards. Yeah. 91. They had 205 in this game. In both situations, the offense was crap, unable to do anything. Largely due to offensive line issues, for sure. 
but they came into overtime and they put together drives that should have won the game. That happened again. They did it. The offense came alive. They tied it, and then they should have won it. So, uh, you know, I look at this and I say, come on, folks. I, like, that happened during, during a season to a Super Bowl-winning team. Look at this team every year since 2012. Look at their first six games. I've got this down. I'm going to publish this later today. Look at their first six games, yards per game, points per game, record. Compare that over the final eight games. You know, we know this story. They they struggle to get it going, but they're 4-1-1. and one. So yeah. I, I just yeah. think it's way overblown huh. and too much hand-wringing. Well, listen, I, uh, I, I agree with you in some aspects. I, I won't go all the way with you on that because I think there are some differences from this year to Let's 2013. Talk Let's talk about it. The biggest difference for me right now is the health of your quarterback, who's got to play another 10 games and not have a bye. Okay, he's already got the bye. And now he's got the peck, he's got the knee, he's got the ankle. Uh, that, to me, is a significant factor, that he is already beat to hell to begin with. I mean, Russell said today that he was told after the knee injury that he should have probably taken four weeks off. But he goes back out there and sucks it up, and the guy's tough as nails. There's no doubt about that. To me, that's the biggest issue, uh, is that you got a quarterback who's banged up and is going to have to spend probably the next three months playing on 85 75 That's number one. Number two, they had a lot more faith in the run game three years ago than they have right now. And you and I can argue all day long about how good Kristen Michael is. I I just see a guy, okay, but you and I have gone back and forth on that, and that's fine. I think the one thing that's not up for debate is that they don't have faith in their own run game right now because they're not running the ball. 12 of the first 14 plays on Sunday were passes. Kristen Michael doesn't even carry the football until the first play of the third drive. And I asked Pete yesterday at the press conference, you may have heard of Brian, why not, if you want to run the ball more, then why not just run the ball? Did you hear his response? He said, we don't want to be in second and long. He's got no faith in his run game right now. That's crap for him to say that. I didn't miss. I missed that. That's yeah. frustrating. I, 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 you know, I, I'm with you most of the way on uh, on a lot of what you said there. Um, I'm set aside the Russell Wilson stuff for a second. Let's talk about the run game. Okay. Um, I see it more as it's not about faith. I see it as commitment, and maybe it's an apples and you know a, a, a chicken and an egg thing, right? So, so maybe they don't have commitment because they don't have faith. I, that to me is crazy because they have run in the past against eight-man fronts, um, and not because they were getting good results, but because they pounded early and they knew that those you know one and two yards runs would be four and five yard runs late. We've heard them say those words, so don't tell me that one and two yards and second and long is something that this team has ever been afraid of. And there's there's even less reason to be afraid of it now because you've got a passing offense where you do believe in it more than you used to believe in it. You do trust your quarterback to get rid of the ball sooner so he's not taking sacks. You do trust that the offensive line has some awareness of how to block in those situations. And you have fewer sacks than you've ever had at this point while having more pass attempts than you've ever had at this point in the season. So, you know, it doesn't, to me, that is absolutely a coaching thing. And I think they've lost their way. I think they need to recommit to that. And I think that the only way, and and by the way, I think this is, there's some questions in the locker room about that as well, I think. So I I believe that they need to commit to it. And it's not about Kristen Michael or Thomas Rawls or whoever else. It's a philosophy of how this team is built on, on how they approach the game. And you are not, I mean, look, let's take this last game. Kristen Michael, how many yards per carry did he have? 3.3. David Johnson, who is the love of the league, how many yards per carry did he have? 
3.4. The difference between those two runners was not the amount of yards they were getting for every chance. It was the amount of chances they were getting. That's on the freaking coaching staff. I'm just telling you, and you should go back and listen to Pete yesterday. I asked him flat out. And I even premised it or prefaced it by saying, hey, I don't want to be a smartass here, okay? But you talk about wanting to run the ball more. You don't like the numbers. They're 31st in yards per attempt, only Minnesota's worse. 27th in rushing per game and 25th in rushing attempts overall. A lot of that is due to Russell Wilson not running. If you look at how many attempts he had a year ago after six games compared to what he's at now, if you factor those missed run opportunities for Russell into it, all of a sudden the Seahawks run game as far as attempts jumps all the way up to the top 10 in the NFL. So they're missing a lot from him. But again, they talk about wanting to run the ball, yet they're not showing faith in Kristen Michael. You mentioned it right there, that in 2013, teams would load the box and it didn't matter. They'd run the ball anyway. Pete Carroll said yesterday that's exactly why they don't run the ball, because teams are loading the box. So they've completely gone away from what they were all about two, three years ago. I don't know, man. I just see a coaching staff that doesn't have a lot of faith in, uh, in Kristen Michael I think, I think or the offensive line. i got to jump in there. That, well, so you added at the end there. I think that is a little bit of, you know, adding your point of view into, you know, the equation. I think you don't know that it's because they don't face Christian Michael. I think it's the whole package. They don't have faith the whole package. in the way their offensive line no is doubt. blocking, right? No doubt, yeah. So, so that's fine. Uh, and I think our point, we end up at the same place, which yeah. is, like, <laughs> this is, I don't know why we're even, like, the ones having to say this. They're the ones that have been telling us this for years. You can't get better at it unless you do it. You can't like you can't actually get the run game growing unless you commit to it. You're going to get more yardage in the second half if you focus on getting there in the first. Like the, these are things that we've all bought into. I think the team is bought into, and all of a sudden the coaches have like, I don't know. I don't know why they they won't do that. And and I got to say, if you look at that game, you watch that game again, and you look at the chances Kristen Michael got. It wasn't like he was getting tackled in the backfield every time. He was getting three yards, two yards. Like he was moving like yeah. <laughs> forward well, the way Brian, a run game does. Brian, I think it is partly due to Kristen Michael, though, from their perspective, because you may have heard Pete Carroll. It was either this Monday or last Monday when he was asked about the run game, and one of the first things out of his mouth was, "It'll get better when Thomas Rawls comes back." Yeah, and you heard that fair. too, didn't you? I did, I did hear that, and you're right. That's that's an indicator. Um, <laughs> Let's just be honest about that. When when Thomas Rawls and Kristen Michael were both healthy in the first two games of the season, yeah. Thomas yeah. Rawls was one point one yard a oh, carry, no doubt. Or something on that angle. I still like th- this is also not... coming off the broken ankle, though. All that stuff is a factor. Sure. Well, now he's gonna be coming off of a broke, you know, cracked, tip, you know, fibula or whatever he's got. So, yeah. I, I mean, that's I don't I, I put a, my hand over whoever's in the running back position. I'm just like, run the ball. Run the ball. You, you ran it with Bryce Brown last year. You can frickin' run it with Kristen Michael. All right. Uh, let's talk about the game on Sunday. Uh, we got a few minutes left here uh, before we got to take off. L- l- let me ask you a question. The Seahawks really aren't going to start a guy at left tackle who hasn't started a football game since his peewee football days, are they? Are they sure doing that? Seems like it. Sure seems like it. Now, listen, obviously, as a fan, you want to say, okay, let's see how it goes. But there's also a big part of me that wants to say, are you freaking nuts? Are you guys out of your mind doing something like that? I mean, if he ends up getting Russell Wilson killed on Sunday, how much crap will they take for that? 
Well, I mean, uh, how much more than they're already taking for the butt beating he's been getting? Um, yeah, it's it's an issue, and 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 tackle was their thinnest spot for sure, and we kind of knew that. Uh, heading into the season, we knew that heading, you know, from the off season, some of the decisions that they made there, and, and it's frustrating. So, uh, you know, the one thing I'd say is maybe a saving grace is this: this New Orleans defense, you know, is not good in general, but they they really don't have a lot of good pass rush. Right. Um, they're one of the worst pass rushes in the in the league, and so you know, hopefully they can figure that out. You know, I, I think what it's going to mean that plus the fact that Russell's already got this this new injury. I think you're going to see them try to run the ball a little bit, and the danger there, Dave, is New Orleans is going to move the ball. Hopefully, you know, hopefully not as much as usual, but against this tired defense, the offense has to put up points, and and I'm a little bit worried that they're going to have to rely too much on the run game and uh, not attack what's a really weak secondary uh, for New Orleans. Yeah, well, you know, the defense, look, I mean, the uh, the Saints are third in the NFL in scoring, right? 29.3, whatever it is per game. But they haven't really played a great defense yet. Uh, Oakland's 32nd, Giants 19th, Falcons 26, Chargers 21, Carolina 24, Chiefs 23. We all know what the Saints offense can do. Usually doesn't matter the defense they're playing. They'll put some points up. But yep. this will be, so far, the best defense they've seen this year. And it's not even close. Absolutely. And Drew Brees has faced the Seahawks defense. He faced him twice in 2013. And, you know, he had a lot of trouble with them. Right. You know, he, he did not put up a lot of points. And, you know, they blew him out the first time. And the second game was in the playoffs. And it was actually reasonably close, but it was because they were able to run the ball in that game. They got over 100 yards rushing in that game. They're not going to do that against this defense. So, yeah, I, I don't I never bet against the Seahawks defense. I just think it's asking a lot for them to win this game after what they had to do last week. And I think the mm-hmm. offense is going to have to put close to 30 points on the board one way or another. Yeah. All right, man. Great job. Uh, you're heading down, right? I am leaving tomorrow morning. Have you been there before? I have not. Oh, dude. Are you kidding me? You're going to okay, love it. Give me it. one place I got to go. Uh, Cafe du Monde. Uh, it's uh, it's off Bourbon Street near the water. The best uh, bonnets you've ever had in your life uh, at uh, Cafe Du Monde. You, you just got to go there and get one. That's kind of one thing. Uh, Pat O'Brien's sit outside in the courtyard on Bourbon Street. Awesome. I mean, just Saturday night on Bourbon Street. Okay, just go. Just right. go. Forget the fact that you're married. Forget <laughs> the fact that you have kids. All right. Don't worry about, you know, what you look like when you get back to the hotel. Just go to Bourbon Street on Saturday night. Trust me. All right, man. I can't wait. All right, man. Be good. That's Brian Nemhauser, Hawk Blogger from HawkBlogger.com. Check his stuff out on Twitter at Hawk Blogger. We'll talk to you next week.